Welcome to episode 9 of the Making a Mark Wrestling Podcast. This week we watched Okada vs Omega at Dominion in 2017, the second match in their fourth match series. Last week we watched the first one, this week we have watched the second. So Laura, what star rating would you give this match? And also alongside the star rating, how do you think it compared to the first match? Uh, I definitely like the first one better, not gonna lie. This one just had a few moments before it was like, even some of the more over-the-top moments or some of the slightly more out-there wrestling moments, they seemed a bit more subtle, more few and far between, and the wrestling in between was just like so good and so intense, I didn't mind as much, but it also might be because it was the first time I'd seen the two of them wrestle, this time coming into it, I had some level of expectation, uh, clearly, but there was just a few more, uh, like, moments, uh, that I could feel myself just kind of, like, disconnecting from the match a little bit, or things I didn't like as much, but it was still, like, one of the better ones we've watched, but I definitely liked the first of the, those two fights, the one we did last week better, and for star rating, probably give it, like, three, three or three and a half stars, Three, three and a quarter stars. Let's do that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This match is definitely like different to the other one, and a lot of people, you know, like one or the other more depending on sort of what they prefer. The first one, I definitely say, had a lot more sort of action, and you know, sort of great wrestling, whereas this one had much more emphasis on like sort of story and drama and emotion you know what i mean like so yeah it's very much a whatever you prefer you'll prefer one match over the other you know what i mean generally like there's not one that's generally regarded as like this is the definitive better one of the two you know it's very much a toss-up depending on personal preference in this sort of wrestling fandom that makes sense then because i tend to like the ones the what matches like the most are where the majority of it is just pretty straightforward wrestling and only a little bit of like you said that storytelling and some of the more narrative moments although this one the first match if i hadn't have known like i wouldn't really have said there was a like face and a heel between kenny and okada the first time this time kenny was doing a lot more well that's that's a lie last time he did like the spit in his face and things he did stuff where it was clear but it was like very small and very spread out this one he was doing like what i would think classic villain tropes all the time like in any tv show when a villain monologues that's when the hero gets them in wrestling the version of whenever he did the freaking finger guns i was like you're giving him time to come get you while you're sitting there like posturing and being so cool and, and it did come back to bite him because and it at did. one point he <laughs> took so long doing the finger guns that okada just grabbed him and rainmaker him yeah, and because like fuck the, you, that's why. Yeah, and the hair pulling at the top of the match, like he was doing a lot more. Uh, and like, not, it wasn't always a bad thing because, like, he's the villain. That's what he's supposed to do in this scenario. But uh, yeah, there was just a bit more, like you said, those storytelling, emotional moments. But I guess it was just a story I clearly didn't care all that much about. So I it didn't do anything to boost like my esteem of the match. So. I liked so, the parts they were just wrestling. Before we go on to going through your notes, we have to address the elephant in the room. The Young Bucks pants. Know, what the heck was that? No, I'm kidding. 
Um, we know you don't like shenanigans. We know you don't like interferences stuff. <laughs> what did you think of Cody coming to the ring and trying to throw in the towel? Oh, of course. I had a whole bunch of notes about that. That I didn't mind because that's like interference. Yes, it it would dictate it the outcome of the legitimate. match. It's but yeah, it's legitimate. like, he. It, yeah, this isn't just like some weird story drama or like girls cat fighting in the like apron or someone completely unrelated or at least to an outsider coming in and like cheating. This is, I think he's gonna like pass out. We need to stop this. Like that would be a legitimate reason to end yeah, a match like, even if storytelling so wasn't there. He is so damaged. We should throw in the towel to, like, save him from long-term injury. Which yeah. actually happens. That happens in boxing, in UFC, in all sort of combat sports. Throwing in the towel is a legitimate thing that happens. This wasn't just sort of, like, a made-up wrestling. Yeah, because it's better to lose this one match but still have, like, another 10 years to wrestle and get the title later than, than get the title now and then, oh, look, you pulled the Shibata, your career's done. Like... But yeah, I didn't mind it. I actually found myself getting kind of mad at the Young Bucks. I was like, I get that you're like his lesbian soccer moms right now and you just want to cheer for him and you think he's great, but dude's gonna die. Uh, and th- But then it made me annoyed because then I guess, you know, it happens. People find surges of adrenaline because then after that, Kenny pulled out a whole bunch of moves and I was like, all right, well, then clearly you weren't so dying before and the throwing well, in the think, towel would I have been a waste. The, I think part of the point of it is that, like, because Okada was, like, so distracted by all the stuff going on outside the ring, he wasn't beating Kenny up for an extended period of time. So Kenny got a moment to actually, like, you know, catch his breath. Yeah, here I found my exact notes from it. So it says, so someone else from Bullet Club is trying to throw in a towel. Young Buck's stopping him. I don't know how I feel about this. It looks like Kenny is reaching for the towel. Like, he's begging, like, please end this. I'm in pain. But then out of nowhere, pulls his reverse Rada and, like, smashes Okada. And then I literally wrote, this was some WWE-level shit. Now Kenny's good. You okay, whatever. Yeah, I did. I, I learned a name. I'm You're proud of myself. Learning. I'm learning. But yeah, I literally wrote this WWE level shit. Now Kenny's fine. All right, whatever. <laughs> that, like I said, that was one of those moments where it lost a little bit of like star rating. For yeah, me. I had I had like a different sort of take on that because like that's one of my favorite moments in this whole match because with the, the towel thrown in, you know, like you say, it, that's kind of a legit thing that happens, you know, in sports. And then it makes sense for the young books not to want them to throw it because they trust Kenny. They're like, no, no, he can still win this. Don't fucking throw that towel in. How dare you? But then, like, Kenny making a comeback, like I say, to me has always sort of made sense because, on one hand, he's had a t- chance to actually get a breather. Okada's stopped beating the ever-loving shit out of him for the first time in, like, 20 minutes. Um, He's actually had a chance to catch his breath, to recuperate a bit. And also, it's such a sort of fucking hype moment. They're all there debating, throwing the towel in, worried for Kenny, and then all of a sudden, Kenny just, like, turns the match around, and they all go mental. They all start, like, cheering, like, just having shocked expressions on the face, like, banging on the apron. The crowd goes nuts. It's, like, such a sort of, like, feel-good moment. Like, it's such a sort of hype moment that I, like, sort of love it. I guess, like, if I was more... Like, I, and I can see that. I think it's the, that's a moment if you're a bigger wrestling fan than I am, you love. But when you're a filthy casual like myself, I was, I don't know. It definitely, like, wasn't, like, I don't, like, I didn't 
I'm not gonna say like hated it, like made me angry, made me want that. And I just wasn't necessarily a fan. Like it wasn't yeah. like Selena Vega level. I was like, oh my god, this needs to end. You know, <laughs> she's my new bar for like true hatred in wrestling. Would you be interested in knowing like the sort of deeper story behind that shenanigans? What? Why I don't like them? Um. So, the story behind that is that you know you remember I said in when we watched the last one that at this moment in time there was sort of like tension in the Bullet Club because yeah. Kenny and the Young Bucks were like the elite and they only really sort of cared for themselves. Yeah. And so Cody had come in and he was like trying to take Bullet Club leadership. Okay. Well, it was him who was coming in to try throwing the towel. Yeah. So it's clearly him just trying to like sabotage Kenny. But like making it look like, look, I'm doing a nice thing, you know. I'm trying to save him. Yes, yeah, I had but that's no idea. also, <laughs> but that's also why the young books were so adamant, like against it. You know what I mean? Okay, that makes a bit more sense because that's also why I found myself when it was happening, I was getting a little annoyed at the young books because, like I said, it was, it was that moment where it looked like the camera cut to Kenny. And it looked like Kenny was reaching for the towel. Like you give it to me, I'll like throw it. I'll throw the towel in. I'm done. And I guess it just chopped like pros. Ups to Kenny's acting chops that I believed him and thought he desperately wanted out of there. But so then I was like, dude, the, the guy wants to go. It's not like Ken, it's not like Kenny was in there still wrestling and Cody was trying to throw it in. It looks like a bit his of, eyes were like, pleading for it, you know. There was a bit of dialogue like the young book said where they were like, he told us not to, like, no matter what happens, not to do it. And it's like, I love this idea of like, he knows that in the moment he might think differently. Like, when you're that beat up and stuff, you probably will want out. So he was like, like, no matter what I say in the moment, don't act on it. You know what I mean? Like, Okay, but, like, no matter what, does that extend to, like, oh, my leg's broken. No, don't pull me out. Let me keep going. Or, like, there must fairness, be some if he had lines his, if he had to his, that, If like... he had his leg broken, the ref would stop the match. So <laughs> yeah, I think hopefully. it's the idea of, like, if I get so badly beaten up, the ref will stop it. But don't you guys, you know, yeah. stop it. Speaking of refs, I think my favorite part of this match wasn't Kenny or Okada. It was Red Shoes, man. He's my new favorite, like, character in wrestling. I love Red him. Shoes is He's so good. He's so funny. But yeah, so the running is sort of like, that was, even when it, like, happened, that was a big sort of point of, like, controversy among wrestling fans. You know, yeah. some people loved it. Some people thought it, you know, sort of tarred the match and was like the low point. Um, people had very split opinions. On it didn't it. like tar the whole match for me, but it did. Det- it detracted from it. It didn't like ruin it or anything. Because I was, it, also at the end of the day, they didn't actually get involved. No one like got in the ring. No one interfered with Kenny or Okada. It was like stuff was happening on the fringe. I, I did like some of the subtle like storytelling on all their faces though, because if you actually watch how they act after, like, the event and stuff like that. The other Bullet Club members that Cody had, you know, obviously told them, like, oh, let's go throwing the towel to save him. They, when Kenny starts making... Like, obviously that was a lie. He wanted to do it to sabotage Kenny, but that's how he convinced them to come with him, is, you know, let's go save him. Um, When Kenny starts making his comeback, they're all, like, overjoyed. They're all in fucking jubilation. They all go mental. But Cody doesn't. He still just sits there going, do you want me to throw the towel in? Kenny, do you want the towel? Kenny, oh my gosh. Towel? And when, t- like, Kenny throws the towel away and he's, like, making his comeback and everyone looks so happy about it and Cody just sits there with this miserable look on his face. 
And he's like such good, like, you know, facials. You know what I mean? Everyone else is so clearly happy for Kenny and then he's just grumpy as fuck. I totally didn't even notice because I am occasionally oblivious as we have learned. (laughs) Yeah. And also you don't know that sort of story behind it, you know, so it's hard to notice things like that. Um, Yeah. But actually, like, it is a point of criticism that Cody received for his time in New Japan overall was that he brought a lot of like western influence to new japan you know he brought a lot of this like interference and shenanigans and stuff like that like to new japan and people Gross. who are new japan fans you know weren't exactly the biggest fans of that yeah for sure well i am in agreement with them also i had a question how long was there between this match and the first candy okada match we watched uh, it was the same year, just a few months later. Okay, months, Bef- between it. Between that match and this one, uh, Okada had three title defences. One was against Suzuki, Minoru Suzuki, who you don't know, but uh, he had a 4.75 star match with him. Then he had the match with Shibata that we watched, which is insane. Another yeah, that five was star brutal. Match. And then he had a match with Bad Luck Farley, who is considered trash he is considered like a garbage wrestler and still managed to pull him to a four-star match and how'd, then he he had get, this match. how'd he get a match against okada if he's such a garbage wrestler uh, because in sort of storyline in new japan bad luck Fale, he's huge the dude's enormous so although he's not a very good wrestler he's sort of like a believable just big okay. strong dude you know what i mean so he's so more he's... a sell on his character people like the the person not the yeah wrestling. yeah so okay. so it's um it's one of those, like, he's never won the title, but, you know, like, he looks like a guy who should have title shots because he's just so <laughs> massive. Okay. So he gets them, but he never actually wins them. It's basically one of those, like, if they don't know who to challenge for the title, just, like, throw him in there. He won't win it, but, you know, he's believable. <laughs> Fair. But, but yeah, like, Okada had so many, like, he had the first match with Kenny, then a 4.75, a 5-star, and a 4-star match, then the second match with Kenny. He's a machine. He is literally How's the a dude not machine. like broken down by now? I'm just Do you like know what the crazy thing is? What? When this match happened, Okada wasn't even thirty. Oh dang! He was like twenty nine. For context, Kenny is like thirty three. Most pro wrestlers don't really sort of enter their primes until they're in their like thirties. You know, usually like sort of mid or early thirties. Okada wasn't even 30 at this point. That's funny, because I would have guessed earlier, just because it is clearly such a physical sport, and they take such a beating, at least in New Japan, maybe a bit less so, but even, like, WWE and other promotions, you still, there is a lot of physicality to what you do, and you still need to be able to absorb some hits and some yeah, damage. But, but, so you'd think it'd be younger, just so that your body is still in a bit more of its younger, like, shorter recovery time, bounce back, like, period. Yeah, in the, the difference between wrestling and actual combat sports, because in combat sports, it is true that, you know, the younger you are, the just better you are. But because wrestling is sort of, like, premeditated and there's much yeah. more to it than just the physical aspects, you have to, you know, know storytelling, you have to know how to put a match together and plan one out and, you know, what to do when, how to work a crowd and stuff like that. True. How to be a character. And a lot of those skills come more with, like, age... You know what I mean? So generally people actually reach their primes later because they then have the combination of they're still in decent shape, they're still pretty athletic and stuff, but have developed all these other skills to go with it. That makes sense. 
Shall we start going through your notes before I go off on too many tangents? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so at the top of the match, I felt like I was about to watch, and this might be heavily racist. I really hope it doesn't come off that way. But I felt like I was about to watch an anime between like the slideshow of champions or the, pe- uh, the previous title holders, I guess is what that was. Almost felt like the opening like to an anime, and there's just that palpable like excitement and that tension in the arena even through a screen of that this was a big match this is like the end of a season arc and their intro music of course is very like pump up very exciting and out and yeah i was just like i feel like i could be about to watch an episode of one piece or something you know like people (laughs) always talk in actual combat sports and actual you know just normal sports and even in wrestling they talk about like this like idea of a big match feel and it's something you can't really like put your finger on like what causes it you know what i mean like some matches feel like a big fight and others don't and there's no real logic behind why you know what i mean but i feel that's one thing new japan does really well is you know getting across this big fight feel and, like, we've talked before about the little intro video showing all the previous title holders because we saw it in the Shibata yeah. match and we talked about it there. But that, I think, is one of the things that really, really helps get across that big fight feel. You know, like, seeing the lineage of this belt and its history and how far it's come really sort of gets across the importance of it. Exactly. Exactly. And then I said, oh my god, yes, loving the pink-purple vibes Kenny has going on with his lighting and his posse's outfits. I mentioned at the beginning, can we talk about the Young Bucks pants? Because those were amazing, and I want yeah, the one. the Young Bucks <laughs> always wear colourful, glittery But see, I wouldn't have outfits. thought that, because of the name, like, Bullet Club sounds like a biker gang, and, like, Kenny's clearly the heel here. He's all in black leather and his, like, black and blonde hair with, like, the braids and his, like, whole general badass aesthetic and then they're in like fringed gay cowboy pants and i was just like yes i'm here for this and i, I just i wanted some of those pants it was great just for the it. record when we get to tag team wrestling eventually way down the line you'll be seeing a lot of the young books excellent they, they have been the best tag team on the planet for like the past like six or seven years so you basically can't find for like most indies in america or new japan you can't find like a sort of best tag team match that doesn't have the young books in it somewhere yep and then on the note of costumes i said i also still really want okada's coat and it's like the greatest thing i've ever seen um and i like that the commentators mentioned the six star like match rating last time they fought again building up this this hype and okada's intro music was great because it starts out like simpler and more like sounding like some traditional Japanese music with, like, stringed instruments and stuff, and then beat drops, electric guitar comes in, pyro effects, and I was just like, yes! Like, I can only imagine how hyped you'd be if you were in the arena for that. And then I was like, oh, it's raining money, wish I was there. Obviously, it's fake money, and picking it up won't do you any favors, but still. (laughs) If you want actual money to rain on you, go to Mexico, where they throw money into the ring afterwards. Yeah. (laughs) And then I wrote, uh, if wrestling is, like, a violent, sporty soap opera for men, this is a season finale. Like, because that's how palpable the intensity was and just how excited everyone was and even, like, the crowd and stuff. So, yeah, that was all my notes about the, like, preamble. 
before the match. Yeah, I don't really have it else. I just, you know, had the notes on sort of the title introduction and then like the sort of run up to the match, like Okada just having great match after great match after yeah. great match after great match. And uh, another thing, actually, is that uh, they men- the commentators mentioned, and you could probably tell just by looking at him, that Omega had put on weight before this match. Yes. He was fucking huge. Um, yes. <laughs> and basically, like, he actually did put on weight in reality. Like, you can't fake putting on weight because you are noticeably bigger. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you're just a bigger person. But, like, the storyline reason he did that was purely just to try beat Okada. Like, he put on muscle purely with the goal of getting revenge on Okada. Like That is very intense. Some dedication right there. Um, and, again, Kenny is acting a lot more heelish. I noticed even from the get-go, like, the first time they're in that, like, arm lock hold, you could hear him being like, come on, come on, and, like, taunting Okada and just playing up that character a bit, which Another I didn't notice thing- right away last time. Another thing, though, is that uh, the commentator said, like, uh, in the run-up to the match... Kenny had another chance to like put Okada through a table like he did before their first match. Yeah. But opted against it because he wanted to face Okada like at a hundred percent. Which I really like, liked. That made he me wanted happy, to yeah. beat Okada clean. Like he didn't want any sort of doubts in people's mind, like, oh yeah, you beat him, but it was like, you know, he had the shit kicked out of him just before it. Like, yeah. Which also made me happy because hearing that, I'm like, oh good, we're not gonna pull any weird, like, shenanigans as we call them, and you're gonna pull any like cheap shots below the belt not literally because obviously there are many of those but um yeah just like bringing in unfair or like any any form of cheating to get the victory so i was like okay good that's off the table excited um and then i got excited because i saw red shoes i was like yeah he's bad and even from the beginning like kenny starts pulling hair and red shoes like no 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 let go (laughs) like I felt like when that was happening, it was like, Red Shoes feels like like a cute little grandfather, particularly because he's so much smaller than them because they're giant wrestlers, and he's like a small Asian man. So it's like a grandfather babysitting his two grandsons, and their parents are gone, and he's just letting them fight it out. And he's like, I'm here to make sure you don't actually hurt each other, but sometimes you just got to beat each other up. So yeah, go ahead, fight it out. You you fought because you both wanted the same toy or whatever. Like, I love Red Shoes with all of my heart. Right? He's just so funny. And so, and I feel like it's both the combination of he goes from being, like, genuinely concerned about the wrestlers, like, always checking in with them. So, like, when he's refing, I'm never worried about, like, the match not being stopped if someone's injured. But then also, like, there's one part of the end, he's, like, jumping up and down. He's, like, screaming, like, go pin him! Pin him! Because he's, like, on the ground. He gets so into it. and And he cheers for both of them equally, too. Sometimes he's yelling, like, oh, Kenny, this is your shot. Sometimes he's, like, Okada, Okada, get him! Like... It's and that's, so funny. that's the thing about him is like once again on this fucking stupid topic of invisible referees like yeah one of the reasons matches with red shoes in are so good is that his in his enjoyment of it and how into the match he gets is infectious he's so into it and hyping it up so much you start getting really into it and getting hyped up you know what yeah I mean? like, and then he also just genuinely notices things and actually makes referee calls and like others like when um it looked like Omega had Okada, I don't know what the move is called, but, like, his head's down, his legs are up kind of, like, in the air around um, Omega's shoulders. But then, because they're near the rope, his leg managed to hit the rope. So Red Shoes is like, nope, that's a... He touched the ropes, you gotta let him go. And everyone else is like, come on, no, because it was so close to the end. Uh, and I'm sure so many refs, because it wasn't a 
tangible arm reach out, grab the ropes. And like WWE, that probably would have been let slide and counted as a victory, and then it would have come was, back as a feud later. One. And like there was another one where Omega's arm was just under the rope, like not even on it, and he like started to pin, but then realized the arm was under. I was like, oh yep. no, that's not a pin. So yeah, I just was very excited that he was our ref. And then um, I said their their camera angles. I mentioned in the last match too, but I think it's just a new Japan thing compared to wwe they just make a lot of moves look so much more intense because it's like a lower camera shot kind of like the wrestler's chest level so their movement like speeds look faster and you can see i guess some of like the impact of like chops and hits much more because there's one where they're doing a lot of the like running back and forth like bouncing off a rope to go land a move like a rainmaker or something it wasn't that one in this case because it was early on but it was something Kenny did. And just again, I was struck by the camera work, making everything so much more intense and dr- being an aid to draw me in rather than like other promotions where the camera work is so jumpy, it turns me off. And like, there's other things as well. Cause I could rant all day about like New Japan vs WWE from a production perspective, because like WWE are so rich and I've been doing this so long and are on like a, you know, national network and stuff. Like they should have amazing production but just don't. You know, they do so much wrong, and New Japan does it all so right. Like, yeah. Because like, one thing, like, you talk about camera angles. New Japan camera work is great. They don't cut often. They do great slow motion, like, replays. They, you know, do the cool shots, like the Rainmaker shot. And WWE do, like, action movie style cutting where they cut. 36 times in 30 seconds. Just for the record, that's a thing that actually happened once <laughs> on an episode of Raw. Wow. 36 cuts in 30 seconds. Um, that's painful. It is painful. It was terrible to watch. It was not enjoyable at all. But there's other things like the lighting of the crowd and the ring. In New Japan, all the lighting is put onto the ring and the crowd is, like, dark. Like, you can't make out, like, any of the fans' faces are out. Your eyes are drawn purely to what's going on in the ring. In WWE, the whole arena's lit up equally. So, like, you know, there's not that, it's not like a spotlight on the ring. You know, there's nothing sort of drawing your eyes to the ring and the wrestling inside it when the crowd is lit up just as well. Yeah, exactly. Um,. And then I, I said, if my normal prediction, like the way I normally would guess the winner of wrestling matches so far holds true, again, Kenny would lose because Kenny was looking a lot stronger at the beginning of the match and seemed to be Plot twist. dominating. Plot twist, it was really. a draw. I know. And at the end, we'll get we'll get to that. But I was like, I didn't even know that was allowed. I didn't know that was a thing. But um, clearly, first time my prediction was wrong and pleasantly surprised about that. And the first time we see Okada take the hit to that knee that, like, Kenny started focusing on and taking advantage of, it's like, Okada's playing up the first knee injury like he's a FIFA football player right now. He's, like, rolling around on the ground and, like, oh, oh, in the face. I just immediately was like, where's the soccer Where's the soccer ball? Are we playing that um, game? <laughs> so this is another bit of, sort of, criticism this match got, because no match is perfect, right? You know, there's yeah. always... And one of the tiny sort of bits of criticism this match got, and it really is like a sort of small thing and it really isn't the biggest deal, is that, you know, early on, Kenny was working the knee over and Okada had this injured knee. But then it seemed to disappear. It just disappeared (laughs) and felt like it was never brought back up, you know? Yeah. Sort of stopped being relevant after a while. And if that had happened closer to the end, probably, but because it happened so early, and then, like you said, I did notice that. 
like when we got to part two i was like oh no one's mentioned his knee for a while and at one point he went to like he was barely putting weight on it and now he's running around and jumping and leaping i'm like all right well and like even the commentator is like oh if that starts swelling he's not going to be able to do this and that i'm like well it's clearly fine like and and again he just played it up so much with that initial reaction and it wasn't even like if he did the fifa level reaction after kenny had done a few hits to it that makes sense but like the very first one so i wondered is there some bit of story i missed maybe he's coming into this with a knee injury but then i was like but the commentator said kenny wanted him to be at 100 percent so it was was just he had a bad landing like so he was like inferior he was like had a bad landing and like tweaked his knee so then Kenny, noticing that, worked it over, which is, you know, smart wrestling by Kenny. Notice opponent's injury, work on injury. Yeah. But then it just sort of disappeared off the face of the earth and stopped being <laughs> a factor 30 minutes in. Yeah, it was really odd. Um, um, one thing I really liked uh, in this sort of early portion of the match, which I don't know if you have it in your notes, um, is how many, like, throwbacks they did to the first match. I didn't and have like, anything about that in my notes. Yeah, and they kept, like, sort of subverting your expectations. Like, there was a bit where Kenny got down and started doing his, you know, da-da, 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 like, and went to go do his Topicon hello. And Okada, since that happened in the first match, was like, no, I'm not going to let you do that again. And, like, we came back in the ring, hit Kenny with a move, threw him out and did his own Topicon hello instead. Yeah, yeah. Okay, makes sense. Now that you've said it, I can, like, look back and think of those. In the moment, yeah. I was totally oblivious to them. Yeah, there was there was a few of them, not overall, but, like, uh, another one is when Okada set up the table, he went to do, like, the throw Kenny out of the ring through the table again, but Kenny was like, uh, no, yeah. I don't think so. And correct me if I'm wrong, but at one point, because I said if this actually happened, I like that it looked like the young the young Bucks checked Okada was okay. Like, they were over looking on him. Not in, like, an uh, interfering way. Like, just genuinely, just vocally asking if he was fine. Oh, no, no, or they, were they, they asking Kenny and I'm crazy? They, they were checking on Kenny, but okay. the commentator did say, Oh, the young books are checking on Okada. Okay, that's why I got the idea. Yeah, but but that commentator, in case you couldn't tell somehow, was super biased towards oh, yeah. Kenny and the young books. So, oh, yeah, obviously. of course he's going to try and make them seem better people than they actually are. Okay, because I wonder, I was like, that doesn't sound like something they would do, but I, I, if they are, that makes me happy. Oh, darn it. Oh, well. I do, and I think this is that commentator you're talking about, because my next note was one of them makes a really interesting point, because they were, like, debating should the Young Bucks be allowed to be, like, right there and be that close and be helping Kenny, even though they're only just helping in the form of moral support. But then he mentioned, well, Okada has this entire arena. Kenny's allowed to have two people, because... Clearly, he's, like, a national hero. He's Kenny's the foreigner. He's the heel. Okada's their golden boy. Like, I and it's a safe bet that almost everyone in that arena was cheering for him. Yeah, and, and Okada always comes to ring with Ghetto, you know. The <laughs> so, you know, he has someone in his corner. So why isn't Kenny allowed someone in his corner? Like, yeah, exactly. And then again, um, Okada yelling, I think it was one of the knee moments. It just, I was like, oh man, if someone could draw this fight, that'd be such a perfect panel. Classic, like, one piece reaction shot. It was just a very anime moment because the scream, like, if I didn't know what I was watching, if I closed my eyes and you cut out the audience and everything and you just took the audio of Okada's scream, like, wouldn't be out of place at all in, like, a fight scene in anime. One thing I loved was when Okada just did the talking moments. 
Like when he did some like little lines and stuff here and there. His voice was so deep. What the fuck? Yeah, because when he yells, it seems pretty high pitched, at least compared to Kenny sometimes. So that was always really. Yeah, it's like screams super high pitch and he talks, it's like, oh, do, do, do. It's like what? <laughs> how did you, how does your voice fluctuate from that high pitch to that deep? Yeah. I don't understand how that's possible. Who knows? And then my next question was all about. I have questions in general about counting in this one because they're the commentator's like, yeah, why isn't the ref counting? They've been out for a while. And I said, yeah, why isn't he counting? And then he started, but then he passed 10. He got to like 14. I was like, I thought they only counted to 10. All right. So how long do people have to chill okay. in the apron here? Um, I'm very confused. So the reason he actually wasn't counting straight away at that moment, because I know which moment you're on about, um, was because he went out to check the wrestlers were okay first. Oh... Uh... Which makes sense, you know. Check they're okay and not dead before you start <laughs> counting them out of the ring. Um, and also, basically, I know why you think it's 10. And that's because, like, all sort of Western promotions do 10. Like, well, no, not all Western promotions. WWE does 10. Um, but, yeah. 10 is just a classic doubles. round number, you know. It but, makes uh, sense. New Japan do 20 instead. Uh... But the difference is, like, they count it a bit faster. WWE they they do count faster, so it's probably equivalent yeah. in the end. So there was actually funny. Can I tell you a funny, totally off-topic story? Sure. You know the wrestler Kotri Bushi. Yes. He once went to do a tournament in uh, NXT called the Cruiserweight Classic, right? Which was basically where WWE got a bunch of indie wrestlers in, who are all cruiserweights, like smaller guys, and had them do a tournament. And it was, like, insane because these people weren't actually on WWE contracts for once ever. Like, WWE actually just brought in outside guys to wrestle under a WWE label. Has that, like, ever happened again? That doesn't sound like something they would do. It has, but it was much more controlled the next time because they've done two okay. Cruiserweight classics. Because they learned from the first one because the first one they basically just paid them and let them do their own thing. And the matches were mental. <laughs> the matches were insane. And WWE were like, alright, we can't have people literally killing each other in our rings. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's... So the next one was nowhere near as good because it became more WWE and like controlled and toned down and stuff like that. But yeah, Ibushi was actually in the first tournament. Which is insane. Did, the, the I have a guess where this is going, but continue. The idea of Koto Ibushi being in a WWE tournament is just... What? <laughs> um, but uh, basically... He was in a match and got, like, knocked out of the ring and stuff like that and they were counting. And the ref counted to ten and counted him out. And Triple H... Did, and he's like, hey, NXT, hey, 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 wait a minute. What do you mean? I have ten more seconds. Yeah, Triple H actually had to just come out and be like, sorry, guys, no one explained to him that it's a ten count here and not a twenty. So he thought he had more time. We're just going to sort of, like, you know restart the match from this point this isn't an actual count out you know it was just a that's awkward language barrier misunderstanding you know yeah well that makes sense yeah the minute you mentioned i was like oh i, I kind of see it. i have a guess where this story is gonna go that's kind of funny uh we've got to the part about counting oh here we go um the next one Again, um, where Kenny just, he, like, slammed the knee that they were talking about so much in Okada down on the rope. He put, like, his foot, so his toe, the top of his foot and toes were, like, hooked over the rope. And then, like, 
drove down his like foot into it so he wasn't like you know like hyperflexing the knee like in the wrong way but still putting a lot of pressure on the knee that was clearly very or supposedly very sore um but that was one of the first moments like i said there were more moments i disconnected from the match this is one of them because if if that knee is really so bad for okada right now and like this is a point where he was like hardly walking on it he wouldn't even put pressure on it i was like why would okada sit there and let him do that because he's like letting like, Kenny had to pick up his foot, put it on the rope, move his arm. Like, he positioned him. It was obvious what he was going to do. And for other moves, like, I get your... And it was also kind of early in the match, so I wasn't quite at the you're exhausted point yet. And it just seemed like this is such a dangerous thing for you if this knee is as bad as you were going to let it. And I just didn't really like that whole moment. Plus, it also just looked really painful and, like, it really hurt. But, but the knee clearly <laughs> was wasn't fun as to bad watch. as he was making out since it just disappeared into the ether and was never made <laughs> again. Yeah. Still. And then there's another similar moment where, again, it's like, why would Kenny jump up on the first barricade? Because there's, like, those two sets of barricades outside the ring this time. And he jumped up onto the first one. They're already outside the ring. And, but with, knowing Okada's behind him and he's not looking at him, like, keeping his back to him. Like, what do you think he's going to do? Oh, yeah, immediately come push or kick you to send you flying into the next set of barricades. There's, And I know... Uh, I, we've been on my case before because this is one of the things I need to let go of in expecting realistic fighting rules. But even outside of realistic fighting, this just seems so realistic to me in the world of wrestling. Like, well, for guys that are so at the top tier to be letting yeah, them do like, this. It, because it, what he wanted to do, obviously, was he wanted to just do a quick jump up flip. You know what I mean? Like, super quick, you know, no nonsense. But like you said earlier, it's super early into the match. Your opponent is not that exhausted yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not like it was just Kenny having a derp moment, like trying to go for a move that's way too like slow for this early on in the match. Like your opponent's not just going to stand there and let you do it because he's not exhausted yet. Like, yeah. Duh. <laughs> exactly. So those are some moments that like dropped the star rating for me, basically. Yeah. But, but it did like, it's sort of one of those where it's like, like, again, I, I didn't mind that because, like, from a sort of kayfabe perspective, he tried to go for it at a dumb moment and <laughs> got punished for it because he was been dumb. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you're dumb, you're going to get punished for being dumb. Like, yep. Uh, also, wrote, there was more, um, another really, really nice, like, submission moment Okada did. And I said, this is what WWE needs more of because I think I realized what I like about the physical style of New Japan is there is... A lot more of that technical stuff. Yeah, okay, the submission and the stuff on, like, the ground and on the floor is not as flashy as, like, a one-winged angel or a tombstone or, a, like, a moonsault, you know? But it makes those moments stand out more because I feel like WWE is all flash. It's, like, big thing to big thing to big thing and then really sometimes good, sometimes bad acting in the middle uh, rather than just some of the more technical, still highly skilled, still fun to watch, just a bit less in-your-face fancy wrestling. And I I just liked that a lot more. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah. <laughs> there is this m misconception among WWE fans who don't watch New Japan, and it's obvious they don't watch New Japan because this argument I'm about to tell you they make makes no sense if you watch New Japan. But there's this misconception WWE fans make to try shut down things like New Japan when people talk about how good the wrestling is in New Japan, how much higher quality it is than the wrestling WWE. 
the response WWE people will always come out with is, but WWE is about the storytelling. It has much better storytelling than New Japan does. They tell better stories oh. with their wrestling. Oh, that makes me so mad. I'm just like, until you and get yourself a golden lo- yeah, until you get yourself a golden lovers arc, don't even talk to me. Hello? It's like absolute bullshit. Oh. It, is, it is so clear they don't watch New Japan because like this match had so much storytelling in it. It had the thing with Cody trying to sabotage the other leader of the bullet club to give himself a leg up. It yep. had, you know, like Kenny been so fucking exhausted. He dodged the Rainmaker by just collapsing out of exhaustion. Oh, yeah, that moment. I have like, notes on that moment It had later. such good storytelling purely through the wrestling. Yeah. And it's like, so how on earth? And it, it was the same with Shibata. When we watched Okada vs. Shibata, that told such a good story. Like, Shibata's so clearly better than Okada, but at no point tried win the match. He just tried to make the point that he's better than Okada, and he yeah. lost because of it. Like, that was such good storytelling, and not through promos, or any, just through the wrestling. I'm not gonna and lie, yet- I'm perfectly happy to not watch any promos, because we haven't watched any in New Japan, and it's been great. And the few promos I've seen, like, whenever I'm watching uh, stuff with James, and they show clips of it, oh, some of them are so cringe, and a lot of it is the Vince McMahon losing his grip on things and like the just the the words i have to say and like for the perfect example all the this viking experience nonsense that just happened in was it wrestlemania i don't know but like this tag team that got rebranded i'm like that name is terrible but vince clues like you have to say that name a million times to make it stick so we shove it down people's throats the war raiders and got renamed to the Viking Experience. Which sounds like a thrill ride at Canada's Wonderland. It does not sound like a wrestling team. And, so, And uh, an update on that, by the way. Vince McMahon has changed his mind and decided that belts is allowed to be said again. Oh, yeah, because before it was, like, titles. You could never yeah, say you belts. Yeah, had to say the title. Like, yeah, just really arbitrary nonsense like that. Also, so, like, I'm another, good to just skip promos altogether because usually another, they're just so cringe. Another fun thing about WWE promos is you're not allowed to say wrestling. You have to say sports entertainment. Yep, I remember that one. But um, yeah, anyway, yeah. I don't miss promos one bit. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, everywhere's promos are better than WWE's because they are just so scripted and they have to throw in all the buzzwords and talk in a way that no actual human ever would talk which just totally takes you out of it completely like you can't invest in anything because like nobody talks like it's just not believable but yeah i just had to shit on this idea that wwe (laughs) is like the masters of storytelling and no other promotion can do it when it's just nonsense like literally you can just watch one new japan match and just see how nonsense that actually exactly is. and then also just in the differences new japan like because my next notes are like why is there even a move called a neck breaker and now a back breaker i'm like stop it we're not actually trying to paralyze people can we there not was, there was like, a line of commentary on why? this topic where why you know you commented thing? before on how like when commentators say like he's gonna kill him and stuff and you're like okay that's not believable at all yeah there's a line where one of the commentators went he's gonna break his neck kevin and i'm like well with new yeah. japan, that's actually <laughs> believable like that line of commentary doesn't take me out of it because with new japan that might actually happen 
There was one line the commentator said they mentioned uh, it was when Okada like flung himself and onto Kenny outside the ring with the table and like oh I bet he broke his elbow or he could have broken his elbow I'm like okay well no because Red Shoes my, would stop this favorite, right now I have faith in of, Red Shoes. My favorite line of commentary in the whole thing was Red Shoes kicked out. Yeah oh wait not Red Shoes um, I mean Okada <laughs> like, that was funny but yeah. Either way, I was just like, why? Red shoes wrestle. Right? I was like, no, we should not have moves called Neckbreaker. This promotes dangerous things. At least call it something else. And I know it'll still be the same move and not mitigate any of the risk, but at least maybe mentally. I don't know. I feel like even just having that as a name still. And I mean, some of them words look have like power, absolutely man. devastating. Like the one that Okada does, where he gets the person up on his sort of back, wraps their head around the front. And then, like, drops their neck right onto his, like, knee. Ooh, yeah, that's, like, That looks ow, so ow. painful. Like, just bad. And again, I said, Kenny's still seeming pretty dominant halfway through. Similar to last match, further cementing my guess, Okada will pull out some miraculous win. Oh, look, I was wrong. <laughs> but nice to be wrong sometimes. Also, oh, my God, Kenny yelling at the ref, get out of the way, was kind of mildly terrifying. And then he yelled something to Okada, like, you're not you ready for this. Escape. Oh, that's what it was. You could not escape. But I was like, okay, Kenny. Jesus. And then before that, there was a close-up of his face. And I was like, Kenny's looking a little a little crazy-eyed. Like, he kind of looks like a feral rabid. I'm like, does somebody need to get this man a rabies shot? Has he been bitten by some creature we didn't know about, like, before this match? Like, he, he kind of looked really crazy in the eyes. And kind of terrifying. There was another moment as well, like, later on when they're sort of exhausted. When... Okada picks Kenny up to do a rainmaker, and Kenny just looks like he's about to cry. Like yeah. Kenny's like facial expressions he's are like, so no, good. No, no, so sir, good. please. <laughs> yep. Um, I liked uh, a lot when so it was a nice move on Okada because Kenny did some sort of aerial flippy move to come down and land on Okada on the mat, but Okada just put his knees up and ended up making Kenny. I can't remember his back or his chest, but like bend over his knees. I was like, ooh, that looked like it hurt. Well played. Well played, sir. And also, I'm not sure why Kenny keeps trying this thing. I think they, later, I think they called it like a snapdragon or something where he locks Okada's arms up in the air while standing behind him. And he kept trying it and it wasn't working. And I'm like, one of the strengths of this match was, like you said, those nods to other things. And there were moments where I was like, oh, you've done this thing to me before. Now I have a counter yeah, to it. Or now like I know he, how to dodge. But the then he keeps Kenny, trying the same thing that isn't working. I'm like, this, these yeah, two things don't go together. That's one of the things he kept trying to do it off the top rope because in the first match, that was one of the most like devastating things he did. Because we, we talked about it. They both landed on their heads. Like, oh, it was that move? Yes. Yes, yes. So it's yes. obvious why he'd keep going for it. Because fuck that move. You know what I mean? But, but uh, like once or twice when clearly Okada's like, I'm hip to you now. I'm not letting this happen. Then start doing something else. Because almost every time it gave Okada, once he got out of it, room to do something else. But I guess now it makes sense why he tried at least the first few times. But... He definitely tried it like three or four times, and I don't think it ever he worked. He did. He did also a land some. Um, oh, did he? Like, with you not knowing the moves, like, well, I uh, doubt you'll notice him. But yeah, later on in the match, when Okada was too exhausted to oh, stop okay. him, he started like landing some of them, not off the top rope, you know, just standing ones. But they still look yep. really fucking nasty. <laughs> yeah. I have a note. Oh God, the table is back, and the young bucks are fighting with red shoes. Shit's gonna go down. <laughs> I don't even I don't even remember what they were fighting with him about. Um, basically, because like 
he they were just stood next to the ring and Okada walked towards them. So Red Shoes started pushing the Young Bucks away. But then behind and so the Young Bucks were like, okay, yeah, we'll move back. But then behind Red Shoes back, Okada starts getting a table out. So the Young Bucks oh. like, why are you paying attention to us? He's getting a table. Like, oh, why okay. are you allowing this? Which I thought that's that's a fair point, Young Bucks. Why is he allowing this? Yeah. And then, like, Kenny, like, Okada puts Kenny on the table, and the young, red, young books yell, Come on, Uno! Which is his, his Red Shoes Uno. That's his sort of full name. Oh. Um, and they're, like, complaining about how Red Shoes is just, like, allowing Okada to get a table out, set it up, put Kenny on it, and put Kenny through it. Without, like... Like, in the last match, when Kenny went to put Okada through a table, he, like, grabbed his arm to stop him doing it. And then in this match... He's just like, yeah, whatever. <gasps> Red shoes, don't but let actually, me, you let me down. It sort of no. actually buys into like, you remember, like we said at the start, how the commentator was saying, one of the things about Okada is he's the establishment person. Yeah. He's their choice. Everyone's behind. The guy who comes out with him is literally the booker. He's the guy who decides who faces who. You know what I mean? Like, it's this idea that he is their choice. He's the one they want to be champion. You know what I mean? So he maybe gets away with stuff that he shouldn't, you know? Yeah. Uh, fair. It's not all it's not all just pure good guy, bad guy over there, you know, it's Yeah. There's a lot of grey. Yeah, yeah. Oh, excuse me. Uh at this point there's there some moves were landed. Oh, Kenny landed on top of Okada from the top rope, like falling backwards. And for like a good 40 seconds or so afterward, Okada just looks like he's silently crying or screaming because he's not making any noise, but his face is just like contorted in that like, grimace of pain and his eyes look and, and he just held this face like just silently screaming into the void. Okay, sir, you, do you need a minute? Do you need some help? Like, do we need to stop? It was just like a mixture of like funny looking but also kind of like endearing but also like nerve-wracking i don't know there's just a lot going on endearing um, but nerve-wracking might be the best uh, like one sentence description of watching a new japan match ever <laughs> there we go we have our new tagline to describe new japan uh oh this this also felt like an anime moment like this is where the comeback music plays in one piece and it's like the role reversal where um Kenny went to do one of his infamous knees, and Okada just like catches it. It's like it's like catching the fly in chopsticks. Like that was movies. such it, a it cool was just, moment. Yeah, I was like, oh shit, and I could just imagine being there. The audience just like screaming at that moment it was just so badass and intense. And then again, there's two. There were they panned after that to like there are these like two little grandmas in the audience. I'm like, this is really weird and yet so wholesome. Just these like two little old Asian women. Just, like, screaming on these giant dudes. Did you, did you like, notice the guy on the Japanese commentary desk who was just sat there in a mask? What the fuck was that? I was like, <laughs> what is that mask? He can't be commentating because there's no mouth hole. The mask was a complete face mask. Like, what the he, shit? He can talk through it. He, he does. Why um, was he? Why? So, he is a guy called Jushin Thunderliger. And he, you know, like, how does this term cruiserweights for, like, smaller people? In wrestling. I think so, yeah. He is considered the best cruiserweight wrestler of all time. And that's not even really disputed. He just is. He is the best cruiserweight of all time. Cool. So he, uh, you know, seems like a natural person to have on a commentator desk because he probably knows what he's fucking talking about. 
But why the mask, though? Because why? he's, like, basically almost never been seen. Or maybe never been seen. Okay, but that mask still looked dangerous. It had big pointy <laughs> things spiky. stuck out to the side. Yeah, and you people sitting they're, next to they're, you. They're not actually... They're flimsy. Like, they just wobble around. Like, they're not actually, like, solid, spiky things. Well, good. They better not be. I thought um, you'd have picked up on the, <laughs> the mask, so I wanted yep, to ask you about it. Was it was fucking weird. Also said, um, I find it kind of funny that Kenny's signature move, like, the one-winged angel is much flashier looking and much more visually kind of stunning than, like, Okada's Rainmaker, which looks like something you'd see just, like, someone pull in a street fight, which I find kind of odd, since Okada is, like, their golden boy and this, like, symbol of wrestling in Japan and... At, like one of the best in the world, and his finisher is pretty underwhelming. Yeah, of. and it, it also but maybe like, that's just I love me. how that's actually reflected in how useful they are, though. Like the Rainmaker is a one he can just pull out whenever you know it's a very sudden. Yes, move. it can happen can a lot. Pull it out anytime, but it also means it's not actually very effective. Like he has to hit multiple of them to end the match. Yeah. Whereas Kenny's one winged angel, nobody has ever kicked out of that. Ever. Like, even, like, this match where, like, Okada didn't kick out of it. His foot touched the rope. His foot touched the rope. And that's even, like, that's the only time anyone's even, like, gotten out of it via, like, that method. That's how, like, protected the one-winged angel is. Because it looks absolutely devastating. So and it just takes a lot it. of time to set up, yeah, too. Yeah. Like. So it's one of those moves where, like, whereas Akada can pull his out whenever he wants to, basically, but he's going to have to hit a few of them to end the match. Kenny's is really hard to do, but if he does it, GG, well played. Yeah. <laughs> Easy game. Yep, accurate. And this part, I think, was my favorite, like, wrestling physical moment the whole match. The part where, like, Okada... I guess was was he I don't know if he was trying to do uh, a drop kick but Okada jumped up in the air and then Kenny was running away and then Kenny ran back and like caught him out of the air and pulled him into what I think they called like a power bomb and even in the slow motion it was impressive and I'm like I wonder how long they had to practice that for the timing of that because that yeah, looked that really freaking cool. cool and again there's a moment where clearly that my first thought was I wonder how long they had to practice that like I knew it was planned I know that wasn't, like, a spontaneous, but that didn't take away, because it was still so physically impressive. And that's what I think, that's, like, what all wrestling, I feel like, is striving for. And then the rest of the promotions that just don't aren't as good, that's one of the main reasons why. It's because they haven't hit that level yet, where it's still just so yeah. cool-looking and impressive and fun to watch. That even though immediately you know it's, you don't even give a shit. I don't know. That's one of that's one of the reasons like people from what I've heard, like non wrestling fans love like lucha stuff so much. It's because like, yeah, you know it's fake, but it's so fucking athletic and flippy and agile and like (laughs) just insanely impressive that who gives a shit? It's just amazing to watch. It's just Exactly. Exactly. And that, again, after that, the table move happened. I said the table move seemed to hurt Okada as much as it did Kenny. And I'm talking about how he could have broken his elbow. I'm just like, so why did you do it? When you're both so weakened at this point, you would really want to stay away from moves that are going to hurt you as much as your opponent because you're both running on fumes here. 
Like You know how last episode I was really trying to convince you of how like much sort of stiffer the New Japan tables are than like yeah. Western ones? Yeah. This was a great example of it because that yeah, table it didn't did even not break. give a shit. No, <laughs> it did not the ta- care. The table the was like, screw y'all, I'm staying like, here. Like in, in WWE they sometimes have moments where the tables like just accidentally break as they're like been fucking set up and shit. And then this New Japan one has two dudes go through it and is like Nah, mate. <laughs> I'm yeah. not I did write, the table doesn't annoy me as much in this match as, like, again, things with props usually bug me, but because Kenny had still, even though there are moments, Kenny's clearly tiring right now, but he still was holding the upper hand a lot, like he had just caught Okada out of the air and stuff, and because I thought that Kenny was going to lose, I was like, they clearly need something really big like this to dramatically weaken Kenny, because he's been so dominant. Uh, turns out no one wins. But either way, like, I could see the yeah, need yeah, the for the table for in the storyline there rather than just this looks cool and it's dramatic and it's You, you know cliche. how we talk about wrestlers like no-selling moves? Yeah. The table no-sold that elbow. <laughs> yep, exactly. Exactly. And again, a note about the Young Bucks being like Kenny's lesbian soccer moms cheering him on and just being quite wholesome for the most part. Um, Kenny actually talking to the ref. I was like, is he going to call for a stop? And I was on the edge of my seat. I was like, is someone actually going to care about their self-preservation for once? Oh, nope. Okay, never mind. And then the, the Bullet Club towel moment happened, which we've already talked about. That, again, I didn't dislike, but I also wasn't a fan of. It just happened. Um, and I was like, hey, Okada missed a Rainmaker. Makes sense, because you think Kenny would have learned to avoid them by now. I don't think this was the he missed it because of exha- exhaustion. That's later. Yeah, because I have a few notes later when you dodge a finisher because you collapse from fatigue, XD. <laughs> like, because again, we that's. talk about that moment? Yeah, because that's like half impressive, but also. And it looked so sad like that was a again talk like you said rest the wrestling telling the story that moment like kind of even someone like me broke my heart a little bit because that's, that's just like wrestling storytelling oh. perfected you know what i mean like this yeah. idea that it was so because they've been going for like 50 minutes at that point it's so believable you know what I mean? Like, it's so believable that it would be that, like, exhausted. You know and, it, I mean? and it didn't look fake at all. It looked like yeah. he genuinely, like, just his knees gave out. He saw stars for a minute. He just couldn't hold himself oh, up. That and moment it was like... is so good. I can't put into words how good that moment is. But, like, it's good. But then, uh, but then I feel this person terrible for thinking that moment's good because, like, dude's hurting like clearly that's why it happened yeah i don't want i don't want anyone to get to that point to allow that that to happen that's one of my favorite wrestling moments of all time and the best bit about it is like you couldn't replicate that in most matches you know what i mean like most matches it was it could only happen because this match went so long well i also liked that because it happened, and at first I thought he just dodged it, like, a bit of a sloppy dodge because he was tired, but I thought it wasn't intentional, and it was only until the commentators mentioned it, and then they showed the replay, you could see the video. And like I said, you could see eyes glaze over, you could see his knees, like, shake and just give out, you could see his body just kind of collapse in on itself, like, which again shows good use of slow motion replay, Versus terrible use of slow motion replay. When I watched that for the first time, because I watched that match, like, live, right? Yeah. When I saw that for the first ever time, 
I fucking like basically jumped out of my fucking chair. I was <laughs> blown away by that spot. It's just incredible. Like dodging your opponent's move by collapsing out of sheer exhaustion. Yeah. Uh, and and then also right before that, the commentator is freaking out when Okada used his foot and Red Shoes called it to get out of the one-winged angel like we talked about. I was laughing really hard because the commentators are like losing their shit. And then Red Shoes starts losing his shit, being like, someone pit someone! And like trying to, oh man, everyone's just freaking out and I'm just sitting here laughing because I clearly am not at that level yet where I'm that invested to be freaking yeah. out with them, but I'm enjoying watching it from afar and just chuckling away in my chair here. And again, classic Please villain move. Please tell me you loved, like, I know you you sort of talked about it a bit, but like, please tell me you loved the collapse out of exhaustion. <laughs> well, like, like, I I did, but I didn't. I didn't because again, as someone who spends a lot of time, like, risk assessing, as someone who has first aid training and has been, like, in a chance to be a first responder when someone's in emergency, like, I don't like seeing someone in that condition. I like and. I liked it, like you said, from storytelling wrestling, but it just looked so yeah, yeah. real. But, and like Kenny, and I'm, and I'm just cheering for Kenny as much as I know Kata's going to be. I'm just like, Kenny, no! But this Kenny's is my thing. Canadian! This <laughs> is the thing. They're not actually that injured. Wrestling's fake. And that's why you can just enjoy it without having to worry about how beat up they are, because it's fake. Okay, in, in in WWE, if that had happened, I wouldn't have batted an eyelash because I don't believe that they could be. But New Japan, there is enough, like, but, even but the other things. But that's like, the thing, in WWE, it wouldn't, like, it's the believability that makes that spot so good. And in WWE, it wouldn't have been believable in the slightest. I don't know, like I said, I have mixed feelings about it. I love it and hate it at the same time, that moment. Um... And again, classic villain move, Kenny showboats as it's like monologuing in a superhero movie by doing like his long dramatic, not even looking at Okada, finger gun, and then gets a rainmaker for it. I'm like, yeah. karma, uh, bitch. Another thing I want to say on it is, it's, you know what the, when we watched the Omega Man documentary, there was that line, um, wrestling has one foot in reality, one foot in fantasy. Yeah. I feel that's like, this shows why that's sort of so important. Like, it needs to have the one foot in fantasy so that you know they're not actually di- like dying but it needs to have the sort of one it needs to be look realistic enough that you can believe they are you know what i mean like yeah they can't actually be killing each other but you need to sort of like be able to they get pretty believe. darn close <laughs> so, you know you know it's, it's this idea like it's a uh, suspending your disbelief like if it looks super glaringly fake all the time you can't suspend your belief and think it is real. Yeah. But, like, that's one of the things New Japan does so well, is it blurs that line so, so well that you can suspend that disbelief. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you can actually sort of buy into it being a bit yeah. more real. Yeah. So from this point onward, the ending of the match was just, like, a comedy of errors for Kenny because he just kept doing very heel-like things. And this is where, like... 
it was Kenny's match to lose at this point in my mind, and he did. Like when he went for the one wing angel rather than just pinning Okada. When Okada's clearly dead on the floor, unlikely to kick out, but he's like, I need to do it with my finisher. But then Okada is hip to that and will do everything he can not to get caught in that finisher because I liked he knows how, he's screwed. I liked how even the commentator who was on Kenny's side the whole time when Kenny went to pick him up for the one said like angel, just no, go for the just pin, pin him. Yeah. exactly, and it was making me so like a little bit annoyed. And again, the moment where that that was also one of the biggest moments that it lost like some star rating and enjoyment for me because it's like, Kenny, I know you want this. In theory, at least in the storyline, in theory, you wanted this badly. You had something to prove. And you gave it away in that moment. But also in in storyline and like stuff like that. He's just had this shit kicked out of him for 55 minutes. All the more reason not to lift up a six foot four dude and just go lie on him on the floor. He's probably not thinking straight. Let's be honest. He probably has like seven different concussions, right? (laughs) You just just said it's not what I was like. I don't like seeing him collapse exhaustion. And now you were like, oh, but it's fake. They're not that exhausted. Now he is that exhausted. Make up your mind. it's, It's blurring the lines. Like you, we know... In reality, he is thinking straight because he's still wrestling the match he has exactly. planned. Exactly, and it but bugs me. in kayfabe land, he's probably not thinking straight because he's had the shit kicked out in 55 minutes. But even in kayfabe land, I still don't get why when he wants to win that badly, you're both so dead. You're, in any way, your thought would be, I'm gonna lift him, I'm gonna lift a six foot four dude, because he magically grew an inch, he was six foot three last time, now he's six yes, foot yes. four, he, he uh, has grown an we're gonna, inch we're gonna lift this dude over my head to pull off this finisher that I haven't successfully landed most of the match, and he keeps finding ways out of it, like, it, nah, I didn't like it, it was a very dissatisfying, a fun fact, moment, yes, we've watched two really long Kenny Omega matches, and you've still not seen my favorite Kenny Omega move. Oh, good lord. Because he, he has oh, this boy. move called the Kreutzrath, which is a fucking weird name, but I love it. Um, and it's one of the most beautiful fucking wrestling moves I've ever seen. I love it so much. But the reason you never see him use it is it has sort of the same setup as the one-winged angel. So logically, it'd be like, well, if you have them in that setup, why would you ever go for this other move when you can just use the one-winged angel. Yeah. So it makes sense that he never uses it because... Yeah, fair. You know, why would you? But when 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 we see it, I'll have to point it out to you because... Yeah, because I might uh, miss it knowing it's me. It's the best move. <laughs> it's the best. It's so good. Cool. And then this is where they're starting. Clearly, they keep mentioning the time a lot. I didn't realize there was a one-hour time limit. Was that... Is that a New Japan thing? Or is that just for these like title match things uh, like where uh, does that come it, from it's 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 not an old like a uh, so all new japan matches basically have time limits but how long the time limit is depends on the context so okay. in tournaments it's usually like 20 minutes because you know you can't have t- t- every tournament match going 60 minutes that would be insane uh so tournament matches have a much like shorter time limit uh but for like the big iwgp title matches yeah they have a 60 minute time limit Okay. Yeah, because I never, we've obviously never come to a point where the time limit's been approached before, so it never had come up. And again, yeah, a- on average, IWGP title matches tend to go about 40 minutes and stuff, so yeah. it never really is a factor. Yeah. 
And the part at the end where Okada is just, like, screaming while trying to crawl to Kenny. I'm like, now you're the one who looks like a feral rabid animal at this point. I'm like, I feel like when you get there, you're gonna, like, pull a Game of Thrones and try and eat his heart or some shit. Like, this is getting, this is getting a bit nuts. And Red Shoes is holding, like, jumping around and, like, freaking out and just, like, bouncing. He's a very bouncy person. And, and like... But, it, it, like, whenever I'd catch a glimpse of him, it would kind of make me, like, internally giggle. But then you look at Okada, and I'm like, oh, opposite of giggle. Oh, you look disturbing right now <laughs> with this ferocity. And then it's, so does no one win because the time expired? Holy shit, my prediction was wrong. First time so in nine episodes. What do you think of the draw? Uh, I kind of like it. Like, so I didn't like how it happened, because, like I said, I felt like it was Kenny's to lose, and Kenny gave them the draw. But I like the draw in general, because I kind of like James always talks about the biggest, one of the biggest struggles wrestling has is how to keep both guys, like, you want all your wrestlers to look good and look strong, even when they lose, you need to keep it looking great. And this is a good way to do it. And it makes sense because, like, last time, all right, Okado's better, but Kenny's bulked up now. They're both prepared. They both are very invested and very hungry for this win and pushed each other to the edge. So I liked the tie. And I feel like it doesn't happen very often. I know I, it's the first time I've seen it. Yeah, but it was a huge nine episodes, when it happened but, because yeah. it doesn't ever happen. So when it happens, it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, and I, that's what I could guess from like the response of the crowd. And there was almost like a, an aura of shell shock. through. At least it looked like through the screen. I was like, wait, is this actually how it's going to end? Like, are you kidding? And yeah, so I liked it. I I didn't like how I didn't like the lead up to it, but I liked that ending overall. I think it's fitting to continue the feud. What? When last week, well, last episode when we watched that match, you said when we were recording the podcast, if both of them collapse out of exhaustion and the match was a tie, I think that'd be a good ending. Oh, did I? And then, so like me knowing the next match was a I draw, didn't even know. I was like, I was, I was so trying so hard not to laugh. I oh my like, god, I didn't even remember saying that. <laughs> That's pretty funny, guys. I'm psychic, confirmed, confirmed. But yeah, I do agree. Like, it's one of those things you can't do often. Like, in order for it to be sort of magical when it happens and to have that shock factor, it needs to be a rare occurrence. You know. And you're talking about the, you know, like you said, how do you keep both guys strong and stuff like that? This is another, I'm going to shit on WWE again, who who would have guessed it? Um, Bit where WWE does stuff dumb in my mind, right? Because in New Japan, right, take the rest of the matches out of the picture because they had three more matches, right? But after the first Kenny Okada match, right, Kenny lost. Mm Mm-hmm. He did not come out of that match looking weaker for it. Oh, not at all. You know what I mean? Like, he came out of that match looking like a fucking god despite losing. Exactly. He looked incredible despite losing to Okada. But in WWE, they have this, like, booking mentality called 50-50 booking. Where they have this idea where in order to keep everyone sort of strong, like you say, if someone loses, they have to then win the next match. They have to. So every yeah, they can't go on losing or it looks bad. So literally, like they they always like one of the things to be like. So Okada and Mega had four matches across two years or three years, right? 
but in WWE, when people are feuding, they just wrestle every single show over and over and over and over again until they then eventually have a match at the pay-per-view that you're meant to be excited for somehow, even though it's the exact same match you've already seen six times. <laughs> and basically, yeah, they'll just trade wins. One of them will win one day, the next will win the other. One of them will win at the pay-per-view, then they'll wrestle on the next Raw, and the other one will win to get their win back. And it's just so dumb, because it doesn't actually make them look both strong. It makes them both look like fucking morons. Like <laughs> It makes them both look shit. You know what I mean? Whereas, like I say, New Japan, Kenny loses and comes out of it looking way stronger than he did before because it was just such an insane performance. Like, you don't need to actually, like, do this 50-50 booking to make people look strong. You just don't. It's nonsense. Agreed. And that just would completely ruin everything in terms of predictability and shit like that, right? Yeah, wrestling's predictable enough already, and when you're yeah. literally just doing 50-50 booking, you know, then it becomes even more predictable. Like, exactly. It just gets pretty stupid. Yeah, that's all my notes on the match. Uh, I don't have too much um, more to add. Let me quickly... Um, so, oh yeah, one thing I did want to comment on is you probably noticed that the match started really, really slow compared to like the first one. Uh, I, w- I didn't think it started that slow yeah. compared so, to the first one, personally. The match, like, started out, or, like, sort of, it did start out quite slow, but there was actually, like, two reasons for it, which both make real sense. One is they're about to go 60 minutes, so they obviously need to start a bit slow to conserve energy. And secondly, is the match before it was super fast-paced, super intense, like, you wouldn't have known this because obviously you didn't see the match before, but, it, like, when it actually happened, the match before it was super intense, super fast-paced, and the crowd was super hot for the whole thing. So, basically, Kenny and Okada decided we need to give the crowd time to sort of chill. You know what I mean? Otherwise, they're just going to be... You know, crowd exhaustion is a very real thing. You know what I mean? So, they sort of had to yeah, start slow just to stop the crowd getting totally worn out. That makes sense. I wonder how many of the crowd, like, in anticipated or ever would have thought they'd be there for, like, the whole hour. <laughs> I know, yeah. They're like, oh, just one more, like, 40-minute match to go. <laughs> nope. Uh, my next note is that when Kenny did that, like, moonsault where he, like, springboarded up onto the apron, like, wobbled, somehow managed to regain his balance despite standing on a thin, just, bit of rope. And then, like, the moonsault itself was beautiful. It looked so good. But, like, I'll never understand how he managed to regain his balance on a thin bit of rope just by sort of wobbling back and forwards. Like, what? Yeah. It's just insane, like, athleticism. (laughs) Yeah. My next note was there was a move where Okada had, like, they were both on the apron and Okada had Kenny on his shoulders and, like, flipped him over. And that just oh, and is his so back? Yeah. yeah, where his back landed almost like diagonally on the edge, and I could yeah. like hear like the crick in the back, and just like, oh, oh, buddy, that didn't look fun. Uh, next note was uh, when Okada had Kenny up on like the turnbuckle and jumped up and drop kicked him off of it. That's a very impressive height to drop kick. Very impressive. 
I'm not sure how on earth he managed. Like, he's tall anyway, but that's still, like, that's... That's, like, above his head height. How? Yeah, just absolutely insane. And uh, then my next note is about, like, uh, Kenny's sort of, like, once he's, like we said before, his sort of facial expressions and his acting, like, when yeah. he's about to get hit by one of the Rainmakers and he just looks like he's about to sort of break down in tears, like, he looks like he just, like, he can't take anymore and it's so believable. And then, like, Okada just go, he don't pin him, he goes for a second one instead, and Kenny's just literally clutching at the rope out of pure desperation. Like, he doesn't know what else to do. You know what I mean? He's just trying anything. Um, next one was when Okada had his head against the turnbuckle, and Kenny ran over and kneed his head into the turnbuckle. Oh, yeah, that was brutal. Yeah, that looks anything so involving bad. Kenny's knees is just yeah, always yeah. brutal. They're Kenny's just absolutely devastating. Yeah, like when when Okada was on his knees and Kenny just did the like walk up and just knead him in the head. Like it looked so insane. Like I don't know. And then my next note is how at the end they're both basically like dead for doing the whole like Johnny Gargano dead thing. But unlike Johnny Gargano, these two have been wrestling for fifty five fucking minutes, so it's totally believable yeah, you are legitimately dead, dead. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's a moment right where after like they've been wrestling 55 minutes okada does a drop kick right and let's throw kayfabe aside for a second right let's ignore like him having the like capacity to do it after wrestling how in real life did he have the energy to do that after that long of wrestling like how good is this guy's conditioning? How I, good is his I, fucking cardio? I, I was going to say, I want to know, just out of curiosity, what their, other than just, like, practicing wrestling matches and, like, planning moves, just the general, what your workout routine looks like. Like, what their cardio and what their endurance training stuff is. Because I bet I would just read it and cry. I know that wrestlers um, do put, they, they work cardio almost, like, more than anything else. It's super important in wrestling, you know. Well, I mean? especially if you're gonna when actually you're go like, the full sixty minutes like this, you yeah, need that when, endurance. When, you like, need even stamina. if you don't go sixty, if you even if you're just doing like a twenty minute match, a twenty minute match of lifting such heavy weights and jumping like six feet in the air and you know stuff like that, like if I did that, like I'd be exhausted after like fucking two minutes. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> never mind thirty. Oh yeah, like on on that note, like jumping like six feet in the air, that was one thing. I mean, that's a totally missed. Okada gets so much air when he jumps for his drop kicks. Like, there's one time he just went from a standstill in the center of the arena and just jumped up to drop kick uh, Omega in the chest. And yeah. I swear to God, he got like five feet, five that's, inches at least of air, like over my head. That's like what I was saying about the one when they had Kenny up on the turnbuckle and somehow yeah. jumped up and dropped. That's like over Okada's head height. Like, how on earth did he get that I don't height understand. On his drop they defy the laws of gravity yeah, and physics. Yeah, they just, like, physics, go fuck yourself. These guys don't care. Um, yeah, but that's all my notes, really. Um, yeah, we've still got two more Kenny and Okada matches to go. Can't even wait to see what shenanigans are going to happen when Kenny wins and just watch <laughs> what happens in the arena. Like, um, You'll be glad to know the next one isn't this long. <laughs> cool. Well, so, we're going to record it tomorrow, so... Yeah, yeah, you'll be glad to know it It won't take this long. Um, and also, 
just as a little hint, without giving too much away. Oh gosh. The fourth match is considered the best one. Oh. So get excited. <laughs> yeah. So, um, like Laura said, guys, uh, because Laura's going to be very busy uh, <laughs> soon, and also because we're doing like a feud, we still want sort of the previous matches to be sort of more fresh in our head than we yeah. do when we're just watching random matches. So we have decided, like, we're going to do this feud much quicker than we normally do. Normally we record a podcast episode every two weeks. Uh, we recorded one last week. We're recording one this week again. We're recording another one tomorrow. And then I think, well, I don't know when we're doing <laughs> the next one. but uh, Yeah, and that might not translate directly to a release schedule. Yeah, yeah. Like, release you might still choose to stagger longer, that. But, but uh, release will take longer. But, yeah, we are trying to sort of get these out, like, at least recorded much quicker so that like the matches are more like fresh in our head and because so i actually remember what we're talking about because i forget things very easily (laughs) like your comment about the if it if it ended in a draw you'd have believed it yeah (laughs) exactly oh man Uh, that made me laugh so bad when you said if they'd have had a if they'd have just like both collapsed and had a draw i'd have bought it and i'm just there knowing the next match is a draw (laughs) just like if well i still I still bought it, so... (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm excited to see your reaction to the uh, match tomorrow. Because it's very different. Um, So yeah, everyone, thank you for listening. And uh, if you want to keep track of when the podcast episodes come out, you can follow the podcast Twitter, MAM Wrestling. You can check up on its website, which is makingamark.wixsite.com and you can follow Laura personally on Twitter at LauraK483 you can't follow me personally on Twitter because I've deleted it <laughs> and if you have but... any like feedback or questions uh, there is a contact form on the website that you can fill in and there's also an email address on there so feel free to just you know send in questions, yeah. send in feedback and yeah. we will and Hanzo respond. still runs the Making a Mark Twitter account I so, do. so if, if, you, send if you really want to use Twitter to talk to Hanzo, use that one <laughs> yes, I do still run that one I just got rid of my personal one <laughs> and who knows, maybe one day I'll come back when I'm not as mentally exhausted by people because I hate people, to be honest well, and like social media is just becoming more and more of a cesspool. Yeah, like it really is. It was it was a the mistake. political climate of today. So you never it was, know. It was a mistake. Social media was a mistake. I'm um, too far gone. I require it for work, <laughs> and I'm mildly addicted. My my ship has sailed. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. So thank you all for listening, and yeah, we will be recording next episode tomorrow. I've no idea when it will go live, but keep an eye out for it and enjoy. Yep. Thank you for listening. Bye.